You are back on Artsbitten here on Sin Nation with Tom and Shreyas, and we have our final guest in the studio today. She is here to promote her new book, Missing Pieces. Welcome, Caroline DaCosta. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, so, you're from Cairns. How are you enjoying Melbourne so far? Uh, very much. I come to Melbourne. I work down here quite a lot. I come mm. nearly every month. In fact, I have an apartment just around the corner. Oh, how about uh, that? So, I yeah, travel between the two places. Okay. And you are a native of Cairns, and the Cairns is the setting of your book. So, why were you motivated to have your characters, you know, have your story? Why, what motivated you to set your story in Cairns? Well, Cairns is such a wonderful place for crime fiction. <laughs> it is surrounded by rainforest, which is extremely beautiful, but can also hide things uh, very quickly underneath the vegetation which falls on the forest floor or under the canopy. People can get lost. They can lose things there. They can lose themselves. So that in itself is good. It's also quite far from, it's quite far from Melbourne. It's far from the urban areas, although it has quite a bustling urban centre itself. And then there is the sea and the tablelands, all of which provide a setting, I think, for, for crime fiction. And it hasn't really been done yet, which is why I felt that I could set it Whereas I'm not quite a native of Cairns, but I've been there a long time. Mm. And uh, the climate as well, it's far different to anywhere else in Australia, particularly Melbourne. Uh, yes, particularly Melbourne, where the, the weather is extremely fickle. Uh, <laughs> we, can, we can rely on the wet season and the dry season, and we have the wet season approaching and it is very humid and hot, but you get accustomed to it. But it can be brooding, and that can be quite good for crime fiction as well. Now, Missing Pieces is book number two in a series um, following Double Madness. Both have Cass Diamond um, as the lead character. Um, so how has she changed coming into this book? Is there something different about her going uh, into this well, story? she's getting more experience as a detective. She is just as impulsive in the second book as she was in the first. <laughs> she does something which I have good information from a Cairns detective. They, people do, uh, people in the police, that is. They go off the reservation and they go and uh, follow leads on, them s on their own. And this often helps to solve cold cases, although it doesn't earn them any affection from their superiors, but it does often solve the cases. And uh, to progress the story, I have her going off the reservation in this <laughs> book too. I find a lot of detectives tend to play by their own rules in yeah, order to solve. Do, otherwise, there wouldn't be the fiction. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's, I guess well, that's what makes them so interesting. Well, I hope so. <laughs> um, so this um, specific, uh, I guess, missing case also ties in, I read that, to another case, that, or at least she makes that link? The, uh, that's right. Well, the, they've been cold cases for about 20 years. A, a young woman who went missing in Brisbane and a toddler who went missing in the rainforest in a very beautiful spot just outside Cairns. And they are, there is one person who is linked but who has been investigated and completely cleared by police many, many years before. But Cass uh, goes further and delves further and uh, finds herself in quite a lot of trouble as a result. Mm -hmm. but I as is usually the case. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so I'm already terrified of rainforest as it is, I must say, just because um, oh, there's like animals. Yeah, and yeah. But you've now made it even scarier. <laughs> 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 um, I'll now know where, if, if I don't want to go missing, just avoid rainforest. No, no. <laughs> Take, take a guide, take a GPS mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. um, so you did touch on speaking with actual 
detectives, or at least... With the oh, definitely. No, I, I took advice uh, mm. from a very senior detective uh, who works still in Cairns and another one who's since moved down to the southeast, and they were extremely helpful uh, in uh, what detectives actually do. I haven't used a lot of things that they have told me um, because I want to progress the story yeah. more, and you have to have the same detectives and the same characters all the way through when, in fact, you actually have lots of mm -hmm. supporting police searching the rainforest and that kind of thing, which is quite boring. <laughs> I'd also um, imagine you've removed a lot of the paperwork so from the story. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if this ever becomes a movie, who would play Cast Diamond? Who or a TV want? show. Or a TV show. Mm. I mean, yeah, I guess in this day and age yes, it'll become I a Netflix show. I quite got that far. <laughs> uh, Cast Diamond is um, a young... She's 34 and then 35 in the next one. Mm. Uh, she's a young, by, by my standards, <laughs> um, Aboriginal woman. And so it would have to be a young Aboriginal woman yep. who plays uh, this role. I haven't based Cass on any uh, Aboriginal woman that I know. And I've, uh, I've many, many Aboriginal women that I've worked with uh, and taught uh, as my medical students mm -hmm. and have friendships with over the last 35 years or so. And I wanted to pay tribute to them really uh, because they are so smart and hardworking and intelligent and so on, uh, but at the same time very much aware of their identity. So I wanted to create Cass who was, is a fictional character, but based on their positive, uh, many positive aspects. Oh, okay. Hearing you describe the character, it's sort of like a gender-swapped version of Napoleon Bonaparte, Arthur Upfield's character. Did that sort of play into the creation of the character? Not at all. I have read those books. Mm. They are quite old, and mm. their attitude, their racial attitudes have, I hope, um, improved since then. Mm. He was a kind of one-off, slightly comic character, as far as I remember, whereas Cass is a, uh, she's a very, she's has a lot of sense of humour, uh, and she's very impulsive. Um, she has lots of good friends. She has an extended family. She's a single mother. Oh, her son has now grown up. She has a black belt in Taekwondo. There's all kinds of things about her that make her into Cass um, uh, that don't have any relationship with the, the Napoleon Bonaparte stories. That's fair. But the other thing, the other connection I made was uh, Steve Glasson's work, because when you describe... The plot, it's so I was getting Girl the Dragon Tattoo vibes there. So obviously the, the story's not as graphic or as political, but um, it's, has that influenced your work at all? Well, I love crime fiction. Mm. I love crime fiction. <laughs> um, I, as an, I'm an obstetrician, uh, mm. and we're often up at night kind of waiting for things to happen in the birth suite, mm. and you need to stay awake. Um, but not with anything that's too intellectual. So crime fiction, uh, you know, especially a page-turning mm. crime fiction novel, can really get you through an hour or two in the middle of the night. Mm. And I've been reading crime fiction like that since I was a medical student. So, so it's like the literary form of junk food for you, really. Mm. Um, uh, so I, that, I that might be a bit extreme. But, <laughs> but um, no, you have to think about where you're going and you think about the characters and you try and work out what's happening and where, what the, the writer's doing. Uh, I think it's more than junk food. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a solid, uh, solid substance. Uh, yeah. I think something specifically the crime genre is very specific to the crime genre is you have to be 10 steps ahead of the audience at all times pretty much because we're all, when we're reading it, we're trying to figure out who did it throughout the entire book, like who's done it, who's done it. And you always have to like, you know, throw red herrings here and there. Do you find that difficult or challenging in any way or is that come naturally to you? 
Well, I feel that I'm getting better at it. Red herrings are very important. What is also very important is to get people to read it mm. um, and criticise it. And I have very good friends who do that for me. And then I have had uh, two excellent editors uh, working on it as well, uh, saying, well, you know, what, what about what's happened here and how could this be and how could she walk in there when, in fact, she's already walked out and um, perfectly logical things like that, mm. uh, which bring the book together. And do you like, I, I know some authors like think of the end and then work backwards. Is that something you do or do you see where the story takes you and then kind of adapt as you go along? Sometimes I sit down and just want to find out what's happened to my characters and they mm. seem to do it for me. Other times I jump ahead and I think, well, I would like them to end up in this place, up on the Atherton Tableland, for example, or mm. out in a boat on the sea. And so I might write that whole scene and then I have to come towards it and know what they've done and thought about before they get to that scene so that it, uh, it's right. And you have to go over and over it and then go, uh, go away, come back, write it again, be, pre be prepared to throw away wonderful lines on the floor. Um, <laughs> take, you've certainly got to take criticism. How long does taking a novel, uh, does writing a novel take you to... to uh, sorry, let me start that again. <laughs> How long does it usually take you to craft um, a novel, a cast diamond novel? It's very hard to say because I actually have a day job uh, and to some extent a night job. And so quite a lot of the time, I, when I walk around Cairns now, I see Cass Diamond. I see her running along the esplanade by the, by the sea or I see her in a coffee shop or something like that and I think, oh, yes, she should be here and what would she be doing um, at now at work and, and so on. And the story kind of uh, develops inside my head so that when I sit down, I have some idea of what I'm going to write that day. I be, uh, Cass Diamond came into being in 2011, shortly after the Yazzie cyclone, and that was the, where the first one starts. Uh, but the stories, there are now three. A third one will come out in April next year, uh, and they're all novels, so they're quite complicated stories. The stories have been writing themselves for me in my head since then. Okay. And one final question I have to you, Caroline. As we are a youth broadcaster, I want to know what advice you would have for young writers who are looking at starting up their own crime fiction stories. Oh, go ahead and do it. Yeah. <laughs> and persevere. And I have published a lot of non-fiction as well as fiction. Uh, not a lot of fiction, but a lot of non-fiction. And uh, I think you have to be prepared to be rejected uh, you have to accept criticism and you have to go back and you have to work at it again. Just keep going. There we go. Caroline DaCosta, thank you very much for coming into the studio and speaking to us today. Uh, your book, Missing Pieces, is out now at all good bookstores? Yes, it will be launched at Readings in St Kilda on Thursday next at 6.30pm and entrance is free. <laughs> there we go. Uh, once again, thank you for coming in and um, all the best to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you are listening to much. Art Smitten on Sin Nation.